You're listening to a message from Highway Church entitled, Light Broke Through. Enjoy. Christmas lights, yeah. Isn't it fun getting in the, in the car or the van and riding around and trying to find some Christmas lights, right? Looking at the Christmas lights. We love Christmas lights. We love lights in general, don't we? But we're going to talk about a light that's more powerful than any Christmas display you've ever seen. We're talking about the light of Christ, the light of God's love for you broke through the darkness of this world when Christ came into the earth. We're living in a world that is dark. There are a lot of dark voices in this world trying to discourage you, trying to tell you that you're depressed, that you're bipolar, that you're chemically imbalanced, that you're uh, sick, that you're, it's not going to work out for you, that your future's not going to go the way that it should go, that it's over for you, that you've made too many mistakes. And it goes on and on and on. There are voices in this world that try and confine you and put you in a box so that you won't fulfill your potential. But a different voice, a different light came into the world 2,000 years ago. It was the light of God's love for you that broke through the noise and darkness of this world and said, I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly to the full till it overflows. More and better life than you've ever dreamed of. And that's the light that we proclaim here. And it's a light for everyone and for everybody. There is no one that is disqualified from this light. It's available to anyone, no matter how many wrong things you've done, no matter how many mistakes you've made, new life is available to you today, right now, through simple faith in the light of the world, Jesus Christ. So we're going to get into this light today, and we invite you to experience it for yourself with your own heart by putting your own faith in Christ, all right? Let's do it. Hallelujah. Why do you think it is that we like light so much? Isn't it amazing that just the lights alone can change the entire atmosphere of a room? You don't have to change the paint, the furniture, anything. Just get some nice lights and you've got a new room, right? And people will drive for miles and miles and miles and brave the elements just to see lights. Kind of like mosquitoes, I guess, right? They gather around the lights. But there's something about light that attracts us. But it's deeper than, than just the natural lights. The Bible tells us in James chapter 1, I think it's verse uh, 17, that God is the Father of lights, that he is light, and that we were made in his image. Light is a part of our, our God-given nature. And let's look at 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. God is light. Do you know your heart is looking for his light? And Christ is the way to turn that light on, faith in Christ. 1 John 1, 5 says this, This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you 
that God is light. I like that. And in him is no darkness at all. God is light and in him is no darkness at all. There's no confusion in God. There's no condemnation in God. There's no unforgiveness in God. There are no grudges in God. There is no shame in God. There's healing in God. There's authority over your circumstances in God. There's abundant life in God. There's abundant provision in God. There's grace in God. There's mercy in God. There's loving kindness in his light. There's truth that sets you free. There's nothing to be afraid of. There's nothing that should keep you from coming to him. His light will remove every fear from your life. The Bible talks a lot, of, a lot about light and it talks about darkness. When God, who is light, speaks, light is released. I wasn't too long ago, I was just looking for something that a friend lost and there are some places that we were looking that there wasn't a lot of light. So one of the first things that I went is I got a flashlight so that I can have some light when I'm looking. And it's amazing the difference that, that takes place when you turn the light on. Well, when God speaks and God's word, it brings light into the circumstances of our life. We can see things that we couldn't see before when we take God at his word. Let's take a look at this light that God brings into our lives through his word. Let's go to Psalm 119, verse 130. Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in the Bible. So let's go to Psalm, the book of Psalms 119, verse 130. And before we read that, Jesus said something in Luke 6, 45. He said, out of the overflow of of the heart, the mouth speaks. So when God is speaking, it's coming from his heart. And out of his heart comes light and life and healing and wholeness and victory and provision and wisdom and guidance and insight and vision and revelation. Psalm 119 verse 130 says this, the entrance of your words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. Let's look at that in the New American Standard Translation. The unfolding of your words gives light. Do you know that's one of the purposes for apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers? To unfold the goodness of God to the people, to, uh, to help people understand how good God is through his word. Not to beat people over the head with the Bible, but to strengthen people with the Bible. 
to edify and strengthen them and lead them into the abundant life. Do you know that's one of the reasons people don't want to come to church? Because they've come to church, they've had bad experiences, they've got hit over the head, figure of speech, with the Bible, right? They've got, had the law preached to them and condemnation instead of life and light and grace and wholeness and righteousness. Here we preach the light of Christ. We preach the grace of God, the gospel of his grace, all right? And as you come to understand the gospel, the good news of God, it brings light into your life. The more you understand his love for you, the brighter your life becomes. The less you realize how much he loves you, the darker your life becomes. So it's all about knowing personally his love for you, all right? Look at the Christian Standard Bible's translation of this verse. The revelation of your words brings light and gives understanding to the inexperienced. Do you know to experience God, you, you need to know what, he, what his will is for you. You need to know that he's forgiven you. You need to know that he loves you. And how are you going to hear that? How are you going to learn that? Well, coming to a church like this is one way. And an important way to hear someone like me tell you about the goodness of God. Tell you about his love for you. And, and, and perhaps the most important way is to read it for yourself and hear. To learn God's word for yourself and to know it personally. And when you, a revelation, that simply means that, that the veil's taking away. That you can see clearly now what God's will is for your life. Let's look at that in the uh, CEV version. The CEV version. It says, understanding your word brings light to the minds of ordinary people. I like that. So you can't afford to not understand God's word. And I know the Bible's a big book, and I know that it's been misunderstood and mistaught. But don't let mistakes keep you from the truth. Don't let wrong teachings keep you from good teachings. Don't let what man says keep you from what God says. This Christmas season, why don't you treat yourself and get yourself a hard copy Bible that you can open up anytime, takes no batteries, and you can get to know the Word of God for yourself. And I, 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 this is what I started doing 30 years ago in 1989. Before I ever opened this book for the first time, I, I, I put my hand on it and I said, God, show yourself to me. Speak to me as I read this. And I began doing that and it changed my life. I began reading the book of John. So before you open it, say, Holy Spirit, reveal yourself to me as I read. And as you're reading, listen to the Holy Spirit. He will, he will touch your heart. He will emphasize things to you as you're reading. All right? Now, look at the GNT, the Good News Translation. It says the explanation of your teachings gives light and brings wisdom to the ignorant. So when you come to church, it was God's design that we come, when we come to the temple, we would leave uh, edified, full of light, and stronger than when we came in. Not discouraged and condemned. 
feeling like we don't measure up and we're never going to get this right and shamed because of the mistakes we've made. Are you still with me? Look at God's word translation, GWT. It says, your word is a doorway that lets light in. I like that. The message translation. Every word you give me is a miracle word. Hallelujah. How could I help but obey? Next, that's verse 129, actually. Yeah, verse 130. Break open your words and let the light shine out. Let ordinary people see the meaning. That's my prayer for you during this Christmas season is that the, the will and goodness and love of God would break out for you. That in your heart, he would become real to you and you'd experience the abundant life he came to give you. Now let's talk some more about light, just naturally speaking. It's a fascinating thing. In the dictionary, if you were to go to the dictionary, this is how the dictionary defines natural light, okay? It says light is the natural agent that stimulates sight and makes things visible. Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. Natural light is the natural agent that stimulates sight and makes things visible. Now it's interesting, the dictionary defines darkness as this, partial or total absence of light. Isn't that interesting? So darkness is partial or total absence of light, which makes it difficult to see which makes things not visible, but hazy, unclear. That's what darkness is, all right? So what is spiritual light? When Jesus said, I'm the light of the world, what is spiritual light? Spiritual light is the true knowledge of God. There is false knowledge of God, and there's true knowledge of God. Jesus is the true knowledge of God. This is probably the most important truth you'll ever hear, that Jesus is the true knowledge of God. Well, what does that mean? That means when I get my hard copy Bible and I start reading in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the New Testament, Acts, right? And I look at the ministry of Christ as recorded in the scriptures, I'm looking at the very nature of God. I'm looking at God in the flesh. Jesus, I'm, I'm reading and looking at the true knowledge of God, how God feels towards mankind, God's will for mankind, God's love for mankind, when I'm reading Jesus. All right? So when I read Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts, and I say those first five books because you'll see Jesus in the flesh in those five books, and Jesus is all throughout the Bible, but he came to earth starting in Matthew, okay? He came before that, actually, as Melchizedek in Genesis, but that's another message. So uh, reading Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts, we see the true knowledge of God in the flesh, and you might be shocked 
when you read it because you may have been told things by your religious tradition that are contrary to the true knowledge of God. Or you may have come to conclusions about God based on your life and what you've been through that are contrary to the person of Christ. Do you know we can't base what we believe about God on what we've been through? I, I you know, I, all the different people I've known over the years, I've heard people say, well, I know so-and-so, and they prayed, and God spoke to them and said this, and I knew it wasn't God because it contradicted the person of Christ. God doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. We're going to get into this, okay, today. It's going it's to transform us. And as you look at Jesus, you're going to find there are things you're going to want to, there are patterns of thought that you're going to want to kick out. There are ways of thinking you're going to want to change because they're keeping you from experiencing his power in your life. Okay? So if, if spiritual light is the true knowledge of God, which makes God visible, quote unquote, not naturally speaking, but in other words, makes, makes experiencing God a reality to us. Okay? God's a spirit. We can't see him like I can see you today. But having the true knowledge of God enables me to taste him and to experience his life and power every day. All right? So what is spiritual darkness? Well, it's partial or total absence of the true knowledge of God. Do you know that every cult and every religion has some truth in it? But how do I know the difference? I study Christ. The more that I study Christ, the more I'll recognize false knowledge of God. What if someone handed you $100, $100 bills? Would you know if they're real or not? They just came out with a new one. Do you know what it looks like? How are you going to know? You might play Monopoly with it and not even know it's real by studying the real, right? When we're studying Jesus in the scriptures, we're studying the real, and that is the only way to recognize the false. Because there are some very good fake gospels out there that can lead you on a path for, for decades and you'll never be set free. So it, Jesus is the light we need to see and experience God clearly, okay? All right, this is about the time maybe we should pinch ourselves. Go ahead and pinch yourself a little bit. Make sure you're awake. We're gonna get into the word. Are you ready? John chapter one. This scripture was read early. Thank you so much to the Grant family and the Rodriguez family. And, and, and little, in a little bit, we're going to have the Metrojohn family up here. Thank you for being a part of this celebration today. This verse was read uh, earlier by the Grant family. John chapter 1, we're going to start in verse 1. And this is where I began in the Bible 30 years ago. And it changed my entire life. But I asked the Holy Spirit to open my eyes. It says, in the beginning was the word, and you'll notice that's capitalized, and you'll see why in a minute, because it's not talking about this written Bible, it's talking about the living word, which is Christ himself. 
In the beginning was Jesus, the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He, now verse 2 says he, meaning Jesus, the Word. Jesus is the Word of God. He's the true knowledge of God. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. Look at verse 4. In him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. So if I need light and life in my life, where do I go? To Jesus. You can do this anywhere, anytime, because he's everywhere all the time. I go to him. Why waste your time? I hate when I go to reach for a flashlight or something and it's dim or the battery's out. That the wisdom of this world is a, a flashlight with a dim battery or the battery that's out. Don't waste your time with what the media says or what man says. Go straight to Jesus and get his word on it so you can be set free. Right? In him was life and the life was the light of only the people who never made a mistake. Is that what it says? Everybody. He's for everybody. For every nation, every tongue, every tribe of people. In him is the light and life that every human being desires and is looking for. It's in him. Verse 5. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Where's the darkness at? In this world, all around us, right? Jesus, this might shake your theology, but that's okay. Let Jesus change your theology. Jesus said that Satan is the ruler of this world. The prince of this world. Paul said Satan is the god of this world. This world is a dark place with very dark evil things happening every day that are not God's will. He's not allowing them. He's against them. But Jesus taught us by word and deed that God is not controlling everything that's happening in this world. Yet many have been told that in churches. That's a false knowledge of God. You'll see in the ministry of Jesus, he taught us differently. He said that Satan is the God of this world. He rebuked sickness. He rebuked demons. He rebuked storms. He came against those things because he knew they were not from his father. God is not allowing bad things to happen in the earth, nor is he causing bad things to happen in the earth. God is not in control of what's going on in the earth. If God were in control of what's going on in the earth, there'd be no crime, there'd be no war, there'd be no sickness, there'd be no disease, there'd be no poverty, there'd be no lack ever again. If his will was done. Jesus just to give you an excellent example, when Jesus was asked by his disciples how to pray, he said, pray for God's will to be done in the earth just as it is in heaven. In heaven, there's no interference with it. In the earth, there is. You see, darkness is trying to keep you from experiencing the light of life. 
So if you think the bad things that happen to you are a part of God's plan, you're never going to experience his love for you. Why would I want to come to a God who took my loved one away or made my child sick with some disease? Is, is disease good or bad? Yeah, you, you don't have to, 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 to be a, a, have a doctorate to know that, do you? We all know it's bad. Where did sickness come from? The curse of sin, right? Satan. Satan brought it into the earth when man fell. It's never been a part of God's will. It's not his will for you now. I told you, you got to take your religious goggles off when you come here. This might be shocking to you, but if you're willing to take Jesus at his word, you'll see it's the gospel. If you're willing to let go of your past and embrace Christ, see, in my mind, there might be conclusions I've come to that are contrary to the gospel Jesus preached. So if I'm going to come to him, that means I'm willing to let go of those conclusions and embrace him. I may, I may have been a minister for 40 years, and I've been holding on to doctrines that are contrary to the person and ministry of Christ. Are you willing to let those go? I am. Why not? Why would I hold on to something that's a false knowledge of him, that's less than his light, right? Verse 9 of John chapter 1 says, The true light that gives light to only those who are perfect. I'm sorry. That gives light to everyone. The worst of all people. Jesus is for him and, and her, right? Gives light to everyone was coming into the world. So this light that Jesus brought into the world can enable the blindest person to see. Can enable the most depressed person to be totally joyful. Can take the sickest person and make them whole. In a moment, in a moment, how do I know? We see it in the scriptures, in the ministry of Jesus, right? Hallelujah. Now let's see. Let's go to verse 10. Verse 10. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. Why? They were in the dark. They were believing wrong things about God. So spiritually speaking, whether the light's on or not is dependent on what I believe about God, right? So if I'm believing wrong things about God, the lights are going to be off in my mind and my heart. When I put my faith in the person of Christ and the ministry of Christ, the lights start to come on, okay? He was in the world. The world didn't recognize him. Verse 11, he came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name... He gave the right, the King James says the power, the, the authority, to become children of God. What, did, what do we have to do to become one of God's sons or daughters? Believe on Jesus Christ, right? Children born, verse 13, born not of natural descent. This transcends your biological family. This transcends uh, your family tree nor of a human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. When you put your faith in the Jesus of Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts, you become God's very 
own child permanently. And no one can take you out of his family. No one can separate you from his love for you. No one. Verse 14. So we're born of God. If you've put your faith in Christ, you're born of God the Father. The Word became flesh, right? The true knowledge of God, the truth about God became flesh. And you can read all about it in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts. And made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth, not condemnation and punishment, full of grace and truth. That's what Jesus brings into our lives, grace and truth, grace and truth. God's light, you can know, if you're getting light, you will, you will begin to experience grace. If it's a false knowledge of God, you'll begin to experience condemnation you'll get into a works mentality that I've got to pray so many prayers. I've got to do all of these religious deeds. I've got to do what my tradition tells me. I've got to go through all these steps. Then maybe I'll have favor with God. That's a false knowledge of God. It comes through faith in Christ and that simply, uh, and that simple truth cannot uh, be altered or changed, okay? So let's look at Luke chapter 2, verse, starting in verse 8. But God's light, the true knowledge of God, will bring grace to your life. It will set you free. It will bring a lightness and an easiness into your life. It'll bring a peace to your life. It'll bring healing to your life. It'll bring wholeness to your life. So if these things aren't growing in your life, you need some true knowledge of God. So if these things aren't growing and increasing in my life, there's some things I'm believing about myself or, or maybe about God that are hindering the growth of these things in my life. Okay. So in Luke chapter two, verse eight, let me see here. Yeah, let's, let's go ahead and read this. Uh, verse eight, there were in the same country shepherds. So this is, this is the day that, that, that creation's been waiting for, right? For, for the Messiah to come into the earth. And there are shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And verse 9, And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory, the light, the radiance of the Lord shone round about them. And look at their response to it. They were sore afraid. Why were they afraid? because they didn't have the true knowledge of God in their heart. They had wrong concepts of God and they were afraid to come to God. They should have been jumping up and down and taking a bath in that light. If you're afraid to come to God, it's because you don't realize how much he loves you. You don't realize how good he is and all that he's provided for you through his son. The angel, what's the first thing the angel said to them? Fear not, right? In verse 10. Don't be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings, the King James says. 
Now, what is it? We don't use this word tidings anymore. But, I, but here's what the dictionary and thesaurus had to say. It's information. It's an announcement of occurring events. It's intelligence, like military intelligence. Military intelligence is a fascinating thing. Their whole job is to gather the intelligence that enables us to win and that keeps us on the side of victory, right? And to sort through the fake stuff and the real stuff. These angels were bringing heaven's intelligence into the earth. Straight from the headquarters of heaven. And it was all good and it, it, was, it was causing great joy and it was for all people. From the worst to the best, right? So this message is dispatched from headquarters heaven the headquarters of heaven. And in verse 11, it says, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And look at verse 13. Suddenly there is a, uh, with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth condemnation and sickness to all men. Oh, no, that's not what they said at all. Why? Because this was coming from heaven, not man's religious tradition. What does heaven say is for you? Peace. Come on, de-religify that word peace. Shh. What is it in the Greek? Irene. What does it mean? Wholeness. Untroubled, undisturbed, well-being. That's what peace is all about. That's the peace that God wants to be in full effect in your life. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, untroubled, undisturbed well-being, good will toward mankind. Hallelujah. Now, you're ready for this? We're going to finish up by looking at Jesus, okay? So open your Bibles if they're not already open. I'm an open mind. Sometimes I print scriptures to read multiple translations. It's easier for me to do that. But let's go to Matthew chapter 4. We're going to start in verse 16. We're going to finish by just looking at the light of God in action. The light of the world. The light you need in your life. Okay? So God has good news for you. God has no bad news for you. Everything he has for you is good. He's the father of lights. Every perfect, good and perfect gift comes from him. Right? How it's good to know the truth about his nature. Look at Matthew chapter 4 verse 16. It says, the people which sat in darkness saw great light. Where were these people? In the earth, right? They were sitting in darkness. Go ahead, put the NIV up there. Is it up there? Okay, let's read it out of the NIV. I'm sorry. The people living in darkness. Where do people live? On planet earth, right? The earth is a dark place. They're living in darkness. They saw a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, that's planet earth. Planet earth is the land of the shadow of death. 
a light has dawned. Let's look at that same verse in the Living Bible. There the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. They sat in the land of death. Where is that? Planet Earth. And the light broke through upon them. That's the name of this message. Light broke through. The light broke through upon them. So people just like you and me were living in this valley of the shadow of death, planet Earth. We're living in this darkness. But when we put our faith in Christ, the light of God's love for us breaks through and begins to live strong on the inside of us. Look at the message translation of verse 16. People sitting out their lives. Do you know what it means if you play sports and you get put on the bench? It means you can't get in the game. You can't win the game if you're not in the game, right? You can't win the game. You can't use your gifts. You can't fulfill your potential by sitting on the bench. You get splinters when you sit on the bench, right? And no one wants to have a splinter there, right? People sitting out their lives. When you have wrong thoughts about God in your mind, it puts you on the bench of life. You can't even get in the game. You can't win because your thinking's wrong. Change the way you think. Embrace the person of Christ and get in the game and watch God lead you into the victories provided for you. People sitting out their lives in the dark saw a huge light. Sitting in the dark, dark, dark country of death. That's planet Earth. They watched the sun come up. Have you ever done that? Wonderful thing to do. To see a sky go from dark to bright. Beautiful thing. Hallelujah. So that's in Mark, excuse me, Matthew 4, 16. Now, the very next verse, and you'll just have to follow along with me, guys, back there, but I'm just going to go here. From that time, in verse 17, it says, Jesus began to preach, and he said this, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, that word repent is a lousy word. It's not in the Bible. I thought you just read it in your Bible. Well, I did. <laughs> But listen to me, the New Testament wasn't written in English. Hear me out, this will help you so much. It was written in Greek. Where did this word repent came from? It came from the English translators who were a part of a very large denomination that practiced penance. Do you know what penance is? Penance is say, I tell you, if you want to be forgiven of your sins, you got to pray this prayer five times, that prayer seven times, you got to do these good deeds, you got to come to church every day. That's penance. You won't tell Jesus, you won't find Jesus telling anybody such foolishness. You can pray a thousand prayers and it will make no difference in your life. What makes a difference is simple faith in the person of Christ. So they slap this word repent or penance, uh, repentance in the Bible, but it's not in there. The Greek word here is metanoia. What does it mean? Change your mind. Think differently. Kick the bad stuff out, put the good stuff in. 
You see, and people, and I get it, this word repent, they think that means groveling on my knees and beating myself up. But the word is, the way that that should read is think differently for the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven is here. Stop thinking God is against you and believe he's for you. That's metanoia. Change your thinking, change your mind, change your purpose. So every time you see the word repent or repentance in the scriptures, put think differently in there. It'll help you so much. Okay? Hallelujah. Now, we're just going to skim through these. I encourage you to read these. So the light of the world has dawned, and Jesus says, think differently. That's light, right? You don't have to think that way anymore. God's not against you. He's for you. And then he demonstrates what he just says in his ministry. In verse 23, Matthew 4, 23, and Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. This is the light of the world. This is the light that God has for you today. This is the light of the world in action. Never should a minister ever say to someone that God put that sickness in your life to teach you something. There's nothing true about that. God is your healer. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And God in the flesh demonstrated and proved that to us all throughout his ministry. You have that scripture up there? Verse 23. Can you put that up there? Verse 23. He went about teaching, preaching, and healing all manner of sickness. Uh, you can put it like in the New King James would be good. We're just going to keep moving. All manner of sickness, all manner of disease among the people. For time's sake, we'll go to chapter 8. I want you to get this. This is my Christmas gift to you. I want you to be whole. I want you to experience the truth about his love for you. If I could give you anything, it's this, and that's what I'm doing right now. Hallelujah. In Matthew chapter 8, remember, this is the true knowledge of God. Matthew, the verses, this is the true knowledge of God. Without religious tradition messing it up. All right? This is the true knowledge of God. Chapter 8, Jesus comes down from the mountain. Multitudes, thousands and thousands of people are following him and crowding around him. And there comes to him a, a leper, Luke, who was a physician, and says that this man was full of leprosy. He could have been missing body parts. His face could have been eaten away. We don't know, but Luke says, who was a physician, he was full of leprosy in its most advanced stage. And he comes to Jesus and he says, Lord, if you wilt, if it's your will, if you desire this for me, uh, you can make me clean. Why did he not know that it was God's will? Because he had a false knowledge of God. He, he should have known that it's God's will to heal him. Do you know, you, you cannot receive forgiveness from God if you don't know it's his will to forgive you. Is it God's will to forgive you? But what if your sin is like 10 on a Richter scale? 10 out of 10. Is it his will to forgive you? Yes. How do I know that? He tells me in the word. 
So I can come to him no matter how bad my mistakes have been. I can come to him with great confidence and boldness and receive him. I don't have to say if it's your will, forgive me. I say, Father, thank you for forgiving me. You've revealed your will to me through your son. This man doesn't know. His body is falling apart. He says, if it's your will, you can make me clean. And immediately, Jesus put forth his hand and touched him. This is God's will for you. Jesus is the will of God. Jesus is the will of God. Don't listen to the religious, uh, the religious ones who tell you differently. Jesus is the will of God. We are reading the will of God. This is the light of the world. Without hesitation, he touched the man. You weren't supposed to go near someone in this condition, let alone touch him. Why? Because if you touched him, what could happen? It was contagious. It could be transmitted to you. Why was Jesus not afraid to touch him? Because the light of life was inside of Christ. And the light and life of Christ is infinitely stronger than any disease in this world. You don't have nothing to be afraid of. Put your faith in Christ and let the light of his life flow through your body. It's time to be whole. Jesus. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. This man's flesh and body parts were restored. That's light. So if part of his ear had been falling off, it was new. If his arm had withered away, it was new. This is the light and life of Christ. This is God's will. It's for you today. That's why I'm here and that's why you're here to let you know this. Let's look at a few more. You have time for a little, we're unwrapping gifts this morning. Is that okay? You're not in a hurry on Christmas morning, are you? So then right after this happens, uh, uh, in verse five, a centurion comes to Jesus and says, I'm just gonna fly through these, so just follow along. He says, Lord, my servant's lying at home, sick of the palsy grievously tormented. This is serious. So he really hasn't asked anything of Jesus yet, has he? Look at Jesus' immediate response. I will come. I will. That's my will, right? This is the will of God, right? Isn't Jesus the will of God? So I might need to change what I believe about sickness now. I, mean to, I might need to stop thinking that this sickness that maybe has been in my life was something God was using to teach me and say, wait a minute, this is not from God. This is not a part of my life anymore. Jesus bore this. Get out of my life. You can't walk in the authority of God if you don't know the will of God. How am I going to rebuke sickness if I think God's trying to teach me something through it? Jesus never taught us that. Jesus never demonstrated that. Jesus demonstrated the opposite, that it's his will to make us whole. He said, I will. This is my will. Be clean. I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, you don't even have to do that. I'm not worthy. You just, the entrance of your word brings light. You just release that light from your mouth and he'll be whole. There's no distance that this light can't reach. All you need to know is what God has said about your condition and you're healed. That's all you need to know. See how religious tradition has dumbed down people? They don't even know the will of God and so it's very hard to receive from him. 
But when you come into the light, and wait a minute, it's God's will for me to be well. Jesus bore my sicknesses. He carried my diseases. Now something changes on the inside of me, and I can stand up and take authority over the thing that used to bind me. So in verse 13, Jesus said to him, go your way, and as you have believed, so be it done unto you. And in the selfsame hour, his servant was healed. Keeps going. He goes into Peter's uh, house, and his mother-in-law is there in verse 14, sick of a fever. And Jesus said, oh, this will teach you to be humble, lady. No, he doesn't say that at all, does he? What does he do? He touches her hand. Uh, I think it's Mark's account, says he rebuked the fever. He rebuked it and the fever left her. Why did he do that? That's the light of the world. That's God's will for Peter's mother-in-law to be healed. It's God's will for your mother to be healed. This is the light of the world. It's time to stop listening to the darkness and go with Jesus. And then in the evening they bring unto him all that are possessed with devils. Uh, He casts out spirits with his word. And at the end of verse 16 he says he healed all. All that were sick. Why? It's his will to heal. Jesus is the will of God. Verse 17, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet. Himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's so much here. I'm trying to to wind it up, but I want to give you as much light as I can within the time we've set aside. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So there is healing here. Then after, just to, just to keep moving through the chapter, there's not only healing in the light of God, there's not only healing for you, but then he tells his disciples to get into a ship in verse 23. Um, and there, in verse 24, this huge storm comes upon the sea, so much so that the ship is covered in waves, and you know that's not a good thing if you're on the water, Right? So they're freaking out. In verse 25, they wake him up. Jesus is not. He's sleeping. But they wake him up and they say, Lord, save us. We perish. And Jesus says to them, well, this storm will teach you something. It'll teach you how to be humble because God allowed this storm in your life. No, he doesn't say that at all. What does he say? He says, why are you fearful, O you of timid faith? And then he stands up and what does he do? He rebukes the storm. He rebukes the winds. He rebukes the sea. How can you stand in authority and rebuke the wind when you can't even see the wind? Rebuke the circumstances because Jesus knew the will of his father. The storm wasn't from his father. The storm was from the enemy trying to keep them from preaching the gospel. You have authority over your circumstances when you know the true knowledge of God. There are things that you used to accept that you won't accept any longer that you'll take authority of because you know the light of the world and his will for your life. I was so blessed by a friend who's been coming to Highway Church for some time right now and and shared with me that they, they started to notice some flu symptoms coming on. And, and prior to learning what they learned at Highway Church, they said, you know, I would have been out for two weeks. But this time, I, re- I remember, wait a minute, I'm healed. And I stood up against it and said no more. And within 24 hours, pff, see you later. Big change. That's a, that's a different response to symptoms, isn't it? Every symptom is an attempt to get you off course. Every symptom is an attempt to keep you from reaching the other side. Jesus. 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 Hallelujah. 
So you've got authority over storms. Luke chapter, let's go to Luke chapter five. We're getting there, we're almost done. Luke chapter five, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, thank you Lord. Luke chapter five, the light of the world. Isn't this amazing how good God is? So in chapter five, we don't have time to read it, but the, again, multitudes of people are, are trying to get to Jesus, trying to experience his light, and there are so many people uh, here that, that um, excuse me, I'm jumping ahead. Here he tells Simon to put his uh, ship out into the deep and to let their nets down for a catch, Okay. And Simon says to him in verse 5, Master, we've toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. And when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net broke. So much so that they had to get other ships to come and help them carry in their bounty. What is this? The light of God brings supernatural provision into your life where something that you're a professional at, that you've been toiling at and not seeing results, when you get God's word on your situation, it brings abundance, it brings supernatural provision into your life. The light of life brings healing, the light of life brings authority over storms, and the light of life brings supernatural provision. And I'm just going to have to skip a bunch of them and go right to the last one, John chapter 8. John chapter 8. This is the last one and we're done. John chapter 8. John chapter 8. Just to summarize the story, there is apparently some kind of trap here set for Jesus. The religious know-it-alls somehow arranged for a woman to get caught in adultery And they brought this woman to Jesus to try and trap him and see what he'd do. And they said, okay, master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act in verse 4. And they said, now Moses in the law commanded us that she should be stoned. What do you have to say about it? Verse 6, they were tempting him that uh, that they might have to accuse him. They wanted him to mess up and say something so they could jump on him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. And when they continued asking him, he lifted, it, he lifted up himself and said unto him, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. And their hearts were pricked. They dropped their stones and they walked away. And then the, Jesus said to this woman who was, uh, he and this woman were left alone. And she's there standing in his midst and he lifts up himself and he, he says to the woman, woman, where are your accusers? Satan is an accuser, isn't he? Yes. You'll see a lot of that in the news. They're accusing people of things. Yes. Accusations, trying to defraud people's character. No evidence, they're just accusing. Yes. That's what Satan does. Yes. Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? She said, no man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, neither Do I condemn you? Go and sin no more. And what is the next thing that comes out of his mouth in verse 12? I am the light of the world. The light of God brings a life of grace and no condemnation. And his grace will empower you to sin no more. That's all we have time for. But I want to invite you 
We're coming into a brand new year. We've got one Sunday left. And I want to invite you to be here next Sunday and just to receive all that God has for you. But I want you to pl- I want to invite you to plug in, to plug in here at Highway and to make up your mind you're going to experience Christ for yourself in 2020. You're going to taste and see how good he is. You're not going to be a wave of the sea tossed to and fro by the wind, but you're going to be locked in to the abundant life that God has for you. You're going to go all the way and fulfill your destiny. Hallelujah. Father, thank you so much for this time together. Thank you for sending the light of the world into the earth. We accept your son Jesus as our light. We declare he is your will. He is your doctrine. He is the true knowledge of you. And we declare Jesus Lord of our lives. We ask you, Father, I ask you during this holiday season of Christmas that every heart that is present here would be illuminated with the light of Christ. That they would experience your love for them and walk in the victory that you have purchased for them. In Jesus' name. At Highway Church, we want to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ and experience the abundant life He came to give you. If you'd like to learn more about God's amazing love for you, please visit us at highwaychurch.us. You can email us at info at highwaychurch.us or message us via our Facebook page. Put your trust in Jesus today and taste and see how good He is.